Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, April 30th, already the end of April 2020. And there's an interesting story I want to talk about out of my home state in the United States of South Dakota, but we're going to get to that in a minute. The housekeeping here today, I'm sorry I haven't shaved. It's been one of those weeks, guys. Um, I was trying to upload the new book to Lulu. Lulu's having all sorts of problems. I'm hearing strange things from people that do business with, with Amazon. Uh, I finally got the new book uploaded, but I may have to upload it again because looking at it, it seems like something went wrong in the process. There's words duplicated, other words that are changed. <laughs> it's just anyway. But a little housekeeping first. We have a vid chat tomorrow. On Friday, May 1st, that will be at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. I've already had some questions coming in. So there's that. This Sunday, uh, I will be joining Richard uh, Hoagland on his show, The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, that will be at 11 p.m. U.S. Central. That's 9 o'clock uh, Pacific Time. That will be, I think, a three-hour show. He just wants to talk about the big picture of <laughs> what's going on now. So anyway, those two things coming up, uh, put that on your calendar if you're going to be up that late, um, and we'll see you there. But this story came out of South Dakota, I think, a few months ago, just um, at the beginning of this Lieber, Fauci, Wuhan virus, propotainment media hysteria that we've been living on. Uh, somebody says, greetings from South Africa. Greetings right back. Um, this story has me very intrigued because not only because of what South Dakota is doing, it's one of the few states where the governor of the state, she did not go overboard. You know, she did not put the state on lockdown. She put out advisories and so on. So it's been a rather uh, lax regime vis-a-vis -vis the hysteria that's going on with the national media. Um, but there's another story that occurred just at the beginning of this, and this article is by Ginger Taylor, and she's written a very interesting article. I'm going to link it, and I'm going to cite a lot of this, and then give you my speculation as to what I think may be happening in the post-Lieber-Fauci-Wuhan virus world, which we're already hearing, you know, it's being pounded into our heads in this country, I don't know about overseas, that, you know, there's no return to normal. Uh, after this, everything will be different. So, in other words, they're preparing for people for something different, which, again, I think is a great big steaming crock of horse pucky, <laughs> if you want to be completely honest. Um. Ms. Taylor wrote an article titled South Dakota considers first state bill to outlaw all underline all vaccine and medical mandates. And she goes into a bit of the legal history in this country of how those arose in the first place. And it's quite interesting. Anyway, she begins her article with the following four paragraphs quote, who owns your body? A growing number of legislators in South Dakota believe you do. They have introduced a bill not only to end vaccine mandates in the state, but all future medical mandates that may be introduced in generations to come. 
115 years ago this month, the U.S. Supreme Court made a decision that because there was a deadly smallpox epidemic, the city of Cambridge, Massachusetts, was allowed to charge a pastor $5 to opt out of a citywide vaccine mandate. The law didn't apply to children. That precedent has been the basis for the mandate of dozens of now liability-free, and that's true. If the government mandates something that you have to do, that frees the corporations from liability. Of now liability vaccines for children and adults where no epidemic or even one case exists at the cost of thousands or even hundreds of thousands per year to opt out. It is even the basis on which the Supreme Court ruled that women can be force sterilized for the good of themselves and society, of course. Skipping a couple paragraphs here. In 21st century America, there are no deadly epidemics of communicable disease, despite the fact that we are subject to constant fear campaigns that one is coming. Well, we're subject to one that is here. In fact, no such event has happened in my lifetime. If the fear mongers want to scare you into fearing deadly epidemics, they have to go back more than 100 years. So the circumstances for the justification of the government's actions in Jacobson versus Massachusetts exist only in the history books. Now let me stop right there. As I said, this article was written a few months ago just at the cusp of this whole coronavirus story. And don't get me wrong, folks. When I say hysteria, I'm not saying that the virus isn't real and that real people are not suffering from it and real people aren't dying from it. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that the reaction to it is all out of proportion to the actual numbers. If indeed we're getting the actual numbers, this is the other problem. But the, the interesting thing here is that we recall right at this time that, that there has been a growing anti-vaccine movement. Think of Robert Kennedy Jr. and what he's been trying to do trying to overturn these vaccine mandates and hold these companies accountable for all the crap that they're putting in vaccines that they don't let their customers know about. So in other words, I think that perhaps one aspect of this whole uh, Fauci, Lieber, Wuhan coronavirus pandemic may have been precisely to take a lot of the steam and growing momentum out of that movement. Just a thought. It's a pure speculation. But in any case... She says, if the fear mongers want to scare you into fearing deadly epidemics, they have to go back more than 100 years. So the circumstances for the justification of the government's actions in Jacobson versus Massachusetts exist only in the history books. So in this age of medical technology, including vaccines that most people want, why do mandates still exist? And if Jacobson can justify the sexual mutilation of women, then what else can it justify if medical technology progresses over the next century and beyond? What new medical interventions and body tech will the Gates Foundation invent and convince or bribe governments and non-government organizations to force people into utilizing? And where will the battle to end coerced medical care begin? I submit to you that it has begun in South Dakota today. South Dakota House Majority Leader Representative Lee Qualm has introduced House Bill 20, pardon me, 1235, titled An Act to Revise Provisions Regarding Immunizations. 
The bill repeals all vaccine mandates in the state. South Dakota would be the first U.S. state to have no vaccine mandates at all, joining other governments like the United Kingdom, Japan, and Canada in uncoerced vaccine decision-making. But the bill goes even further. It ends medical mandates altogether. It adds a new law that reads in Section 5 <coughs> that a new section would be added, a subsection added, that would be uh, subsection 33, uh, pardon me, 334-22-6.1, titled Discrimination, pardon me, Discrimination Immunization, and it reads as follows. Every person has the inalienable right to bodily integrity free from any threat or compulsion that the person accepts any medical intervention, including immunization. No person may be discriminated against for refusal to accept an unwanted medical intervention, including immunization. The state of South Dakota would function under the truth that you own your own body and codifies into law that you make your own medical decisions and no one can coerce your choices or discriminate against you because of them. This is the real conversation that we should be having right now begging the government not to take away our right to bodily integrity or trying to claw back religious and philosophical exemptions that give us loopholes that allow us to make our own decisions about our own bodies is becoming an outdated conversation that's based on a lie. The lie that we have no right to bodily integrity in the first place. And the government is doing us a favor by giving us even a medical exemption. Cambridge, in the turn of the 20th century courts, didn't care that Pastor Jacobson protested the violation of his body and his bank account based on his arguments that vaccines were not safe, that both he and his son had previous vaccine reactions. Jacobson himself was injured in childhood, and they violated his religious conscience. The Supreme Court of the United States didn't care that Carrie Buck was a woman of sound mind who wanted to retain her ability to have children after she was raped and impregnated by a family member. They declared her intellectually disabled and imbecile, even though there was never any evidence that she had any disability. They then forced her to be sterilized. Carrie Buck is the probable potential parent of socially inadequate offspring, likewise afflicted that she may be sexually sterilized without detriment to her general health and that of her welfare and that of society will be promoted by her sterilization. I just read you the court decision. Continuing, it said, in order to prevent our being swamped with incompetence, it is better for all the world if instead of waiting to execute degenerate offspring for crime or to let them starve for their imbecility, society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. The principle that sustains compulsory vaccination is broad enough to cover cutting the fallopian tubes. That's the decision of Jacobson versus Massachusetts, uh, 197 U.S. Circuit 11, 25 uh, Supreme Court, I believe, 358, third annex, case 765. And it finally ends up by saying three generations 
of imbeciles are enough. And that justification, Ms. Taylor says, was based on the existence of vaccine mandates. Now, as far as I'm concerned, folks, there does appear to me to be some evidence, not a great deal, but some evidence that part of this Lieber Fauci Wuhan virus media driven hysteria, I call it the propatainment media now because it's not really media, is driven by a eugenics agenda because apparently there's now some stats or figures out that the virus hits black people very hard, disproportionately so in comparison to other demographics of the population. And, you know, that whole eugenics agenda has long been a part of Planned Parenthood. And I suspect that Mr. Bilius Hates, as I've now taken to calling him, with his vaccine agenda is really about a, a similar thing because he's come out, you know, many times about the global population problem. But this is what I think may be happening here. Um, I think we're in the we're seeing the battle lines being drawn for the post-virus world. Already we're hearing, even in the so-called right-wing media in this country, again, I can't speak for overseas, uh, the left-wing media in this country is gone. It's not a media anymore. It's just an agenda that they constantly promote. But the right-wing media in this country, even there you're hearing talk about, well, there's no return to normal in the post-virus world. And, you know, I say hogwash, but this is the meme that they're driving. And I think we're watching the battle lines being drawn now because you're seeing local pushback to the absolute uh, grab for power that has happened in certain states uh, in this country and even localities in this country. And that grab for power, I hasten to point out, has been on both sides of the political aisle. I live in a state where uh, there is a Republican governor, and I live in a city where there's a Republican mayor. And their reaction to this whole thing has been completely over the top and a grab for power. There's no other way I can qualify it. So I think you're going to see the battle lines being drawn as this story plays out. We're seeing and hearing similar stories in Europe where you're going to have the battle lines being drawn between those who want to consolidate power into ever bigger governmental structures, leading all the way up, of course, eventually to a world government. And on the other hand, those who want to localize power. And it's going to be divided precisely over this. I've even entertained the suspicion, and a friend of mine uh, put me on to this scenario that, that another thing that's emerging from this and may have been part of the design of this scenario is to force that issue into the public and into the public debate so that they can call for ever larger governmental structures. And we're seeing this to a certain extent with Angela Merkel in Europe, who's now come out and proposed a European-wide healthcare system. Now, if you, folks, if you thought 
if you think, and I'm sorry I disagree with all of you out there who have national health care systems, that's turning over that sovereignty to your government, and I don't trust the government as far as I can trust it. Um, I think a European-wide health care system is uh, a very bad idea, particularly if you look at the way the European Union is being run. But she's taking advantage, in other words, of this crisis to want to consolidate ever more power at ever a higher level. And the higher you consolidate power, the less responsive it becomes to local needs and situations. I mean, we're watching that big time in this country. So I think we're watching the battleground uh, emerging here. And it's interesting that the pushback, it's interesting to me that the pushback to this is coming from smaller governments like South Dakota. It's not a large state by population. In fact, it's one of the smallest states by population in the United States. But we're seeing pushback against this, and I think that's going to spread too. And uh, it'll be interesting to see the signs of the times. And I suspect that if you've been following this pushback, you're seeing protests now uh, against all of this lockdown nonsense, even in California, which says something right there, that, that they have so overreached in their reaction. So a very important little article. Please do check it out. Um, kudos to, to Ms. Taylor for writing this thing. And it's going to be interesting to see how this bill works out now in South Dakota in the wake of this whole coronavirus crisis. Um, you know, I, I suspect that there will be some drawback from going through with this, but hopefully sanity will prevail there and this bill will get passed. If it does happen, I can guarantee you there will be a few other states in this country that will follow suit. And one of the things that may happen because of that is if, if you do have a federal move in this country, or let's say in Canada, if you do have a federal move in either of those two countries to push for some sort of federal mandate of vaccines, um, and certain states or provinces reject that with their state laws, you're going to see populations moving to those states, and the federal governments will try and, and bring them to heel by threatening to cut off this or that federal funded program in their state or province, and then they will be thrust to their own economic devices. Um, South Dakota is in rather good financial health, so it won't be much of a problem there. But uh, this, this is shaping up, I think, to be one of the battle royales of the post-virus world is this mandated vaccine business. And if you're like me, uh, no way. <laughs> after after reading so many articles that have come out, the article from Italy uh, a few months ago where they did the study of the vaccines and found all sorts of crud in the vaccine that they couldn't even identify and that the pharmaceutical companies were not going to tell them what they were. So, you know, they, they, the system lacks all integrity is what I'm saying at this point. And I wouldn't trust any of these people as far as they can throw you. But imagine that. In the name of mandated vaccines, you're forcing a woman to be sterilized. Um, this, is, this is madness, folks. And these people are that power hungry. So cautionary tale there. Follow these stories. You might be encountering similar stories where you live. I don't know. Uh, but it's going to be a story, I imagine, that spreads the more the more 
the global onus are pushing for these types of programs, the more pushback they're going to get. So we may be watching the emergence of a new story here that's going to hit big time, I suspect, after all of this quarantine nonsense is over and once the numbers start spiking again. When that happens, they're, gonna, they're really going to push for it. So anyway, don't forget, vid chat tomorrow uh, afternoon at 2 p.m. Then we've got the uh, interview with Richard Hoagland on Sunday evening at 11 p.m. U.S. Central Time. The name, the name of his show is The Other Side of Midnight, if you haven't heard it. So hopefully I'll see some of you there on Sunday night. Anyway, that's it for today's news and views. I want to thank everybody that has been sending me articles, and particularly those of you who are sending me articles not about the coronavirus story. So uh, that that is that's a measure too, I think, of of what everybody's thinking. We're just kind of sick of hearing about it. You know, there's other things happening and we need to pay attention to those things. Anyway, uh, thank you folks again for the articles for your attention and watch this story. It may be something I think and I do think it's going to develop into something much bigger. We'll see you on the flip side, everybody. Bye bye and God bless.